0: I'm Bay, and you're listening to Bay Baltimore, a weekly pop culture and society podcast recorded in a quiet neighborhood in Baltimore. This episode, I know it's not spooky season anymore, and we're into the family season, and, and a whole bunch of stuff is going on in the United States and across the globe, but I want to talk about I don't know why I did all that. Anyway, I want to talk about um, Netflix's. Um, new Egyptian film or a film out of Egypt, um, entitled Parano- Paranormal. Um, so yeah, a bunch of stuff happened at, you know, I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on it, but you know, it's a uh, something new. I won't call it a new day in the United States, but certainly a lot of folks were dancing in the street as you saw, um, after hearing the news that uh joe biden and kamala harris clinched um the presidential ticket not even ticket but they 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 clinched the win um with pa pennsylvania um all their electoral votes going to biden biden harris um anyway so i'm elated because trump and his goons are not in office but i am still not resting easy, because what we know is that, I mean, let's be real, in every society, the most marginalized people don't remain marginalized just because one political party is in place or just because certain people who are deemed, quote unquote, the bad guys, um, or I should say who look and talk like the bad guys and they're not ashamed of being bad guys, are the ones at the helm. They have help, and and we, they have had help um, by folks who don't think they're they're doing any harm, right? For folks who are out of touch and in their own acting in their own best interest or the best interest of those around them, but not necessarily for the good of the folks who are part of their constituency. Um, I mean two things can be true at once. This this bonehead is out and good riddance and I'm quite sure that you know oh what havoc he will reap on his way out. But nevertheless, we've got this other thing with Biden and Harris and all of the, the, I mean, let's be real. Not a heck of a lot has changed except for a party. I want to see policy changes. I want to see, I want more than words. Those words are very pretty. But I want action. There's still not a second stimulus. And as, as things are panning out, there still won't be a second, a second stimulus for many people who absolutely need it. Um, I appreciate that there's going to be a man, mask man. Uh, you know, there's going to be renewed attention and sincerity to the efforts that we need to take to, you know, slow the spread, flatten the curve, as they say, and wait for this vaccine. Which, by the way, pivot real quick. So, for what Pfizer said, I think the day I'm recording this, or maybe the day before, um, that they they have a, they've developed a vaccine that's 90% effective. Um, which is interesting because I know AstraZeneca is doing a clinical trial study here in Baltimore. And I know AstraZeneca was doing someone else of some other pharmaceutical country. that was a company that was running trials in the UK and, you know, they're getting close, but they had to halt it because uh, subjects were developing a mysterious illness having been part of the study. So anyway, there's a whole lot. There's a whole lot that's still yet to be done a lot of work to be done but this fool is out <laughs> this this fool this fool is out and you know what i won't even revel in all of the 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 ways that you can make fun of him because what is the point? point millions of people well i don't know if thousands of people have lost their lives in the united states directly because of his his administration's inaction cold hard facts talking to um, Daddy um, this morning, planning Thanksgiving, planning uh, um, Christmas, we like to travel. Um, and while they'll, my parents will be with uh, my hubby and I, this uh, Thanksgiving, it's gonna be a low-key Thanksgiving. And, and to say nothing of, of, of Christmas. And what the heck we're going to do for We were supposed to travel. Don't know if that's going to happen now don't think it's prudent because it's not as if we're going to be in a secluded place. I don't know. Actually, I don't know. We might have to check. Ooh, I might get a cabin anyway, maybe I'll get a cabin and then we'll just do something interesting as a family that way, you know, small gathering, small gathering. I don't even know. I'm, I'm rethinking it as I'm, as I'm talking anyway, there's a lot to, there's a lot to consider. Health is is one of them. It's chief among the things to consider. Anyway, so a lot has changed, but I won't spend any more time talking about this. This is what did uh, John Oliver say? Um, this was the longest week year. <laughs> a year of it was a year of a week, um, and it and it was because I was glued, like many other people in the United States, were was glued to CNN. I woke up watching CNN. I went to bed watching CNN. Um, and and it's, it's a shame because I was actually running a meeting. It's frustrating because I spent all that time since the election, election day watching the news. If I wasn't watching the news, I was on my phone looking at the returns. And come to find the most important announcement I missed because I was literally conducting, I was running a meeting. Um, for my, I was running my chapter meeting for my sorority. And the only way I knew, (laughs) the only way I knew the, the results was because, um, so you know how, well, let's just assume you're not Greek, black Greek. Um, and you don't have black Greek, or you're not, um, an Eastern star. You're not, um, a Freemason. You're not in any of those societies, right. Uh, or those, uh, yeah, societies is essentially what they are service organizations anyway um and so you don't go to regular meetings so typically what happens these days is you still have your meetings but they're over zoom and you've been on zoom calls so you have meet, you have everybody's in their screen and and depending on the rules of your meeting everybody needs to have their camera on and blase blue right so anyway so i was looking literally i was looking at the screen i was addressing the body and then i started to see um People, Cause you know, if you're not speaking, you you go on mute in, and most meetings that is the standard. And so I kept seeing these muted faces, like looking like they were hollering and adulation and, and shaking and, and amen and, and stuff. And I'm just like, okay, so I can only assume that, uh, I think I heard somebody mouth, thank you, Jesus. And, the, and it was at that point where in the middle of my, I don't even know what I was talking about, but in the middle of my, uh, whatever I was saying, I was like, okay, cool. So I know what's happening here. I will wait until the end of the meeting. And so apparently the announcement came while I was in the middle of my doggone meeting. And so I'd spent all this time watching TV, staying up, waking up, looking at it, checking everything. And the one thing I was really looking for, I missed, which is poetic justice at this point. Um, but anyway, so, so that was over. And then people were partying in the streets and I said, no, ma'am, I will party right here in my, in my, uh, home. Um, and then I will call people. I will text people. We will cut up. We will send, you know, those little memes and things like that, but I certainly will not be out in the streets. Um, because at the time I was nursing, even to this day, I'm still sniffling and things like that because my sinuses, baby, I, I tell you, as I've grown older, my sinuses have just decided to rebel and I am going through it. I'm currently trying to, um, I just went through a cleaning spree to get all of the, just get it out. Just get any dust, just dust particles, anything, just get it out. Because my I have allergies, but my husband has it worse. And so we just woke up the other day just sneezing and carrying on. So I said, you know what? Out with all of this. I'm sweeping all of this foolishness right on out. So me and hubby you know, getting things out. We cannot donate a thing in the world. So we're left figuring out what the world are we going to do? So we boxed up what we could and, and got top, Tupperware bins, not Tupperware bins, you know what I'm talking about. Those big old plastic bins, those big plastic bins that you, you know, you put blankets and things like that, stuff you want to stow away for a while. So we put a lot of the things that we would donate into those things. Of course, we wash them um, until such time as we can take it to a place that it can actually use the stuff that we're trying to donate um, and then of course we threw out what we should throw out, but I'm breathing better. I am breathing better, but nevertheless, my sinuses are still going through it. And yeah, so, um, so I, I was doing the cleansing and things like that. And I, um, as just a way to c- clear the house and, and kind of, I, anyway, I burn resin is, is the point. My point is to keep the house smelling good all throughout Um, I don't like the aerosol stuff. I like to burn things, which is probably six in one hand, half a dozen in the other, depending. But because I use those little quick, those little quick light, uh, little charcoal things that, um, yeah, I use the little quick light, little charcoal things that, uh, and you put resin on top of it. You can Google it. What I'm talking about. But um, basically it's like, I, I burn, I burn resin and yeah, I burn resin using the little charcoal things that hookah. Like if you ever do hookah, and those little charcoal discs that they put in the hookah things, that's essentially what I'm using. Um, and there's this little container that it comes that they come with that I use. Um, and anyway, it produces a lot of smoke, and the smoke is flavored, and, and, or not flavored, but scented. And so I do that every once in a while, and so I've begun to do that, and it's making me feel a little bit better, even though it's still putting smoke into the air, and I understand all of that, but at least it just makes me feel like it's not all dusty and weird and allergens all over the place. So I'm sneezing less. Um, so anyway, why did I bring all that up? Oh, anyway, so, so yeah, I'm just trying to just cleanse all of this foolishness out, get back onto my, um, my routine of pouring through the Bible. I kind of fell off. I was on a, um, I was on a uh, read the Bible in a year thing, and I, I had that plan, but I didn't fell off. So I'm trying to catch up and just trying to get, you know, set the intention for the rest of, set my intentions for the rest of the year and how I want to engage, you know, kind of close the year spiritually um, and then prepare for the brand new year. I haven't really done that in a very, very many, it's been many years since I've ever approached the ending of the year and the beginning of a new year like that, but I think it it will help center me um, for the year and the months to come as we're still dealing with COVID and as we're still dealing with a whole bunch of different stuff. And I'd invite you to do the same thing. But anyway, so in an an effort to try to, this is also my, my sorority's founders month. So there's a whole bunch of stuff happening. And of course, because I'm president, there's a bunch of things happening there. Um, And, you know, I'm being pulled in a million different directions. And so as a way to just kind of center myself a little bit better, of course, I'm, I'm trying to get back into my spiritual routine of reading and meditating. And then, um, you know, just praying throughout the house, just being more thoughtful, being more mindful. Um, and anyway, and so, so yeah, so I, I'm, you know, I do what I'm normally do when I try to center myself. So, uh, in addition to my spiritual practices, trying to read things, trying to watch things, and the reading bit hasn't really—I haven't really been—I haven't found a book that I've been into. And so I, I'm looking for recommendations. Again, my my sweet spot, the very the very essence of who I am, is sci-fi a sci-fi book that has a black heroine. Um, if there is a historical fiction piece to it, I'm all the way there um so anyway if you do have recommendations if this is your first time listening to this show um if you are have listened to several shows before or episodes before and you have me playing in the background if you do have a recommendation for a book that fits that sci-fi uh historical fiction with a black heroine please please send that recommendation my way you can check the, the click the show notes and send me the recommendation um there you can just drop me a little message i will get it um and i will listen to it uh whenever i get to it and anyway i really will appreciate that that would mean a, a lot to me um because i am looking for recommendations i i feel like i'm in a bit of a rut nothing as all the books that are out there right now available to me i'm just not really none is real. none are really singing to me right now and maybe i should maybe that's time for me to turn back into I- octavia butler and really really get back into that. Maybe I should read Parable of the Sower, but I I just, I've been avoiding that book and I can't tell you why. I just, it didn't seem, it has, you no, know, I can tell you why. It doesn't seem appealing to me, but maybe I should go back. Or Marlon, um, not Marlon Humphreys, Marlon. What's the, what's the, the guy, the author of the seven killings of, um, Bob Marley? S- Marlon something. Anyway, um, maybe I'll go visit him because I know he does historical fiction um, with some with a sci-fi five piece and the uh, the spiritual piece there too. But anyway, if you have any recommendations, feel free to send them my way. Um, but anyway, but anyway, I think I got off on a huge tangent because I think I started off by telling you that um, you know there's been a lot going on and I've been watching. Things and trying to read things to get myself back on course. And I stumbled across this movie that I thought was a remake. I thought it was a remake of something that I had seen before. And it's paranoia, normal. Netflix is paranormal. Um, and I was, when I read Paranormal, I read it, I, I understood that it was um, in Arabic, I understood that it was set in, in somewhere in Egypt. Now I come to know. I think it's uh, mostly it, it's in Cairo and then a, a smaller surrounding uh, areas of Cairo, and that it's in the fifties, fifties, sixty, something like that. That's the time frame, which is very significant because what a time frame to pick, isn't that right? Before a lot of things went to, there's a lot of tensions happened um, in the in the um, North Africa. Anyway, um, but I digress. So I initially thought. Paranormal was a a remake of Paranormal Activity and all of that. I thought it was a remake, but in in fact it is not. It it travels a, along the that vein, I imagine. Um but it is a series and I will go into the ins and outs of it um in the next segment, but remember how I told you if well if you listened to my me discussing his house. And again, I'm not a movie reviewer. I just like to watch movies and talk about them, but I am no way classified to talk about any of this, except that I do enjoy movies. And the thing that I said about why I like, I seek out foreign films or foreign, not foreign films, foreign language films is the same reason it, 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 what, what I said, that episode is still true. It, it, I keep being reminded that you can think you know a story, but then there is a filmmaker who will give you a story from a different perspective and put and turn it on its head and give you something fresh and new. And I, I confess I haven't seen everything in the whole wide world. I haven't seen a ton of things. I've seen a lot though. And while this story, just like his house, the story of haunting isn't new because that's essentially what paranormal is. Netflix is paranormal, is a haunting story. But not in the way you think. It's it's not totally in the way you think. It is all it it is it is as haunting and arresting as there's this podcast called uh oh is it family secrets family haunting shoot family ghosts there's this podcast called entitled family ghosts and of course it talks about paranormal. Um, activities and experiences, but it also talks about missed opportunities. It also explores uh, family secrets and wrongs, wrongs being righted, um, things that are haunting family members until they're righted. And this movie, just in, in the same way as his house, had an element of there's a wrong that needs to be righted. And until then, you're going to be haunted by this particular... You're going to be haunted in a very specific way. And it, it, it's, it's, this movie is very similar. Something happened. And we'll get into the something and we'll get into the how it manifested itself. But it, it starts with a tragedy and a family secret. And it ends with... In the most beautiful way, I think. it, it First off... I will just go ahead and say that it sets it up when you go to Netflix, even now it says, uh, paranormal season one and it is, it could, it, the way that the series ends, it could, could very well be a season two. Um, this movie to me or this series to me, I say it's a movie, but it's a series. This series to me, it, it, it's so very beautifully and frustratingly follows a story from the eyes of a skeptic who even in the face of a lot of mounting, not even evidence, not even evidence is, 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 too strong of a word. What you see for your own eyes. Cause evidence is like something to be collected. Whereas what you see is, is it just is. So in the eyes of a skeptic who doesn't even want to believe what is because of past things that they've done in the past that they were ashamed of lead to so many other tragedies it is an, it's, it's an engaging film and I cannot wait to talk about it because there are so many twists and turns that I did not expect from a simple story of something bad happened many years ago and in order for that those these you not to be reminded of those bad things, a thing has to be righted. A wrong has to be righted. And there's only one person that can do that. And that seems super simple, but the way that they get there from start to finish is not simple at all. It is genuinely, this series is genuinely scared, scary. And this is a scaredy cat saying that, but a scaredy cat who recognizes What might sometimes what may be scary to me is not scary to most people. This is scary too. I would think that if you really put your thinking cap on, you're really into this, that it would be scary for you too, because there are things that are happening that are completely out of the control of many of the characters. And it's and it and it just turns you, it just tugs at your heart. Because there's literally nothing you can do and or nothing that nothing that can be done except that this thing is solved, except that this one tragedy. This one wrong is righted. And until that time, no good can come from any of that. Uh, no good can come from anything that is connected with that situation. And the big bad of the story isn't actually the big bad. And I think I'm giving away too much, but I'll go into... I'll, I'll share more in this in the next um, segment. But things are not as they seem. Things are definitely not as they seem. And I just... I, I, I again... I'm not saying that this is not a, this, this story itself is completely unheard of, but it takes a specific mind and a specific mind that has lived a specific life to be, or life experiences to be able to come up with some of this stuff. You just have to understand that. And a lot of the horror that I grew up with comes from similar backgrounds, right? So, uh, you know, child horror, we talked about that. And and certainly this story has child horror in it too, uh, an element of child horror, just like his house had an element of child horror, but there's a piece on it too, right? So his house was very much an immigrant horror story, right? And what they left behind, right? This isn't an immigrant horror story. This is more so a family tragedy that was based on... It's not even because of the culture, But the way that it's handled is, is, Hmm. how can I describe it? Each culture has ways to explain things. And I said this in in, in, uh, his house, but each culture and certainly each religious practice has religious explanations for certain things, right? Certain names that they call a thing, certain names, certain phrases that they give to a situation. And so the the same is true in this, in, in this series, this, and it's six episodes, six episodes. Each episode is like 45 minutes to 55 minutes long, not super long. You get in, you get out. It's like a movie and then you move on about your business, but it just happens to be six episodes. And I'm, I'm seeping into more of the, uh, the show, but I promise there's way more to talk about in the next segment. Um, but the way that it gets from point A to point B again is very interesting to me, um, and because of the, the because of the the setting, there's a specific to me. This story is more impactful because it was set in set in like 50s, 60s, 50s, 60s Egypt, with the customs and traditions that were in place at the time, and the fact that the cast is predominantly uh, Egyptian. Well. Actually, before I start saying that, that it's, it's in Arabic, that the, the cast is, um, brown. Even though there's a, a, a character that's albino, he's still of, he's still from Egypt. Um, and there are very little, Ooh, this is what I loved about it. There are very few foreigners in this film or in the series. Now there are some, but again, Their presence is explained, but I imagine in in season two, it'll be even more explained, um, their presence and why it's important, but for all intents and purposes, this is a, this is a Brown, this is a Brown show and the character himself is, very interesting to follow and like it starts with a flourish and it ends with a flourish but again it does not twist and turn the way you expect it to twist and turn and so I cannot wait to talk in the next segment all about number one I'll start out with the particulars um it was released on Netflix so I won't be able to give like all the ratings because you know Netflix is, is Netflix and it's because its name is paranormal um and it's Netflix is paranormal it's the when you, excuse me, when you Google it, it doesn't quite come up the way other movies that whose whose titles are not similar to other titles would come up. So you're going to have to dig a little bit and then you're going to have to dig a little bit more for the reviews, but we'll go into that. We'll go into that in the next segment. Um Definitely what I won't, I'll hit the highlights of the story. I will not go into each episode, although I might change my mind as I'm talking about it. I might change my mind, but um I'll start, I'll talk about it from start to finish and I will probably spoil, I will spoil the mess out of it. So just lead, do know that I'm going to spoil it. So you're welcome to, if you want to watch this thing, you're welcome to pause this right now and then go watch it for however long it takes you to watch it and then come back. Um, but yeah, I will talk about it. This story is very fascinating to me, even though it's a simple one, it's very fascinating how the filmmakers got from point A to point B. So in the next segment, all about Netflix's Egyptian um, horror thriller, Paranormal. Okay, so at the time I'm recording this, it has begun to not begun it's continued to rain here um in Baltimore and I remember talking to my daddy and I think I think it's um tropical system Ada, perhaps one of the tropical systems um that have hit the coast. my goodness, they're already in the Greek alphabet y'all they're in the Greek alphabet that means we've had several weather systems that did something. Not all of them turned out to be, you know, hurricanes or even remained hurricanes when they hit landfall. But my goodness, that we're in the Greek alphabet. That means you are gone through, what, all 26 letters and now you're at, alpha, beta, gamma, delta, epsilon, zeta, eta. My goodness, yeah, you, you're a you're couple in, more than a couple in. Anyway, um... So I hope—I mean, we're beyond October, well into November. I hope that um, these tropical storms can slow down and stop wreaking havoc, so that we can prepare for the winter, which is surely going to dump, especially in the Northeast. Especially going, uh, definitely going to dump a lot of snow. I can feel it. Plus, if you look at the weather, at the Farmer's Almanac, um, we about do for some um, snow here. Which I have no idea what that means. Um, well, never mind. Smarter people than me who study medicine or practice medicine and are epidemiologists um, understand what snow can do for us, like tremendous snow can do for us. And I'm wondering, I wonder if the isolation will play an impact. Anyway, I don't know. We, you know that you heard about that vaccine. Uh, who is it? Pfizer? I know I'm off track, I know I'm supposed to be talking about the show Um, but real quick like Pfizer Pfizer just released a statement saying that they have a vaccine for um, COVID and it's 90% effective and then another um, pharmaceutical company came out and said yeah well mine is like 92% effective or something like that meanwhile back at the ranch I'm talking to um, my parents and Daddy like we don't know if we're even going to take it because we you know even with the flu shot this the the H1N1 flu shot we waited for uh, that's my impression of papa but that's anyway um that we waited um a year or two and I'm like okay daddy but here's the thing and and for all of you who are using that same logic you have agency to do what you will I'm not going I'm not going to get into you know, personal responsibility. You got it. You you understand what you have the agency to do and what you should do for you. You, you were the best person to make good decisions for yourself and your life. Right. But if you are not going to, if, and when, well, when at this point, because what we know AstraZeneca over here in Baltimore with JHU, um, are working on trials Now, I know you, if you're in the United States, shoot, if you're global and you have access to to the internet or TV, you've seen some sort of commercials inviting you and your community members to come out and um, participate in the trials. I know that we're not alone in seeing these commercials um, in the UK or in the United States. So, anyway, I'm quite sure across the globe, everybody's thinking about these decisions. And the reality of it is, Here it is. You deciding not to take the vaccine is not the same as... That that doesn't mean that you... Well, two things, actually. Just because you take the vaccine does not mean that you you stop being vigilant. And if you decide that you... If you should decide that you don't want to take the vaccine whenever it's available, you have to remain vigilant. You probably even have to be even more vigilant. Less... be in fewer situations where in your close proximity to folks, um, washing your hands more, being being more, even more cleanly. Um, and wearing your mask at all times. Uh, what we know is that because of the spikes that are all around the country right now, especially in Maryland, um, Baltimore city mayor has taken us all the way back down to, um, level one, our version of level one, which is when you walk out your door, you have your mask on because the cases are spiking what we what did we see the other day? the cases are up what a thousand or at least in the city it was like a, what a thousand cases? it hit a thousand cases to uh yet yeah, uh, the other day, and, and I think it had remained i don't know not in Baltimore City across the state it was like a thousand cases across the state, and it had hit that number twice in a row at least at least twice in a row um which is why the the governor Hogan had to had to come out and address uh, address the people and cut back the size uh, of cut back the amount by by mandate. Those who should work, work from home better. And then those, those restaurants who were at 50% or 75% are now being scaled back. Um, yeah. So anyway, we just gotta be more vigilant and I understand if you don't want to take it, I get it. 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 My, my concern with my parents are they are already, both of them, immune compromised for very different reasons, um, and they have friends in their circles who are currently in the ICU with um, COVID. So anyway, that's that's on my mind right now. I didn't mean to take it there. Um, we I, I thought I was going to keep it light, um, or at least I was going to just go straight into the thing, but you know how, how I do, I, I record this thing in parts cause I'm a busy woman and you know, this is, this is the thing that's top of my mind right now. Um, anyway, so let me just, let me just hit it. So in the, in the time since I recorded the first piece of this, um, show until now, there's been, uh, more information about this show or at the very least more people have seen it. Um, again, what I told you is that this thing, talking about paranormal Netflix's uh e- Egyptian um miniseries it's only six it's only six episodes so it feels like a miniseries um anyway um but Netflix's uh new tv show uh paranormal that is uh, um it, it you know I it, when I first googled paranormal it didn't come up the way it needed to come up so I put Netflix's paranormal and then when you do that at least when the first time I did it, there was some information. Well, now there's more information about the show because like I said, more people are watching it. Um, one thing to note, well, nothing, nothing major to note. Um, it's just interesting that Google is now tracking who's watched it because obviously they're gonna, um, they're gonna start reporting data in the coming days, probably even, um, probably a week or so they're going to start reporting data in terms of you know, what IMDB users are saying, what Google users are saying, you know, all the, all the the major places. But anyway, let me just hit it and quit it real quick. Um, so it is, it was released, I believe it was released on Netflix, um, last Friday, uh, last Saturday. So not very many days from, from today, I guess the date of, of, um, This episode, it was um, seven days ago, and it was produced by. um, Well, you don't care about the producers necessarily. Just know that it is an Egyptian uh, series, and I can't remember what I said in the intro, whether or not it was predominantly Egyptian or not, uh, Egyptian TV uh, television show. But I think all of the actors, all of the actors, including the actor that had the Irish accent. Maybe she's Irish, um, Egyptian It's possible. I don't know. But her name is Razane Jamal. And I don't know, perhaps that's her given name. It, it doesn't matter. It, it, they're actors. So for all we know, for all I know, she could have been feigning an Irish accent. Um, but she's an Egyptian actress. I, it, I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, um, but it came out on the 5th, uh, Saturday, the 5th of November, um, it was filmed, produced, shot in Egypt. Um, language is Arabic. So when you watch it, you'll be watching it in subtitles, but it's superb. And it goes pretty quickly. Even if you miss some of the subtitles, um, you'll still, because of the way they play it, you'll still get the gist of what's happening. So I would encourage you to continue to watch it. The genre is, I, it's horror to me, like through and through, But obviously it has a bunch of different, it has a bunch of different genres, thriller, mystery, which uh, there's elements of that Um, fantasy drama and suspense. Um, This, this is the interesting thing to note that it was based on a, I don't know if it's graphic novel or it was just a a novel in Arabic, Um, but it's, and I'm, and oh, I'm going to mess up these names. I'm going to try really hard not to, but I'm just apologizing in advance. Um, because I tried, I practiced some of these names before, um, I recorded because I, I didn't want to butcher them too badly, but anyway, so the, it's based on the, uh, ser- the novel series, um, Mawara Al-Tabia, um, and that was written by Ahmed Khaled Tafik. Um, okay, so let's, so let's get into it. So, Um, It stars only a few people, actually. Um, Ahmed Amin, which is the main guy, the lead character. Reem Abd Abd El-Kader. Sama Ibrahim. Razen or Razeni? Maybe it's Razen. Um, Jamal and Aya Samaha. And what else, what else should you know? Yeah, um, each episode... I think I might have said this in the intro, but each episode is like 45 to 55 minutes long. Um, not quite touching an hour, but it's six episodes. So anyway, um, and it was produced by, um, oh, I'm thinking it was produced. This is, this is odd. So it says the producers are Netflix and then Wal- Walid Al-Sabah, Sabah, yeah, yeah Sabah um and then it also says the well no production company is different different production company is film critic and the distributor is netflix as well um what else before we get into the deeds so so let me do this let me tell you the synopsis and then let me go back and and tell you what the critics from what i found the critics are saying so synopsis is input and part and again i said this in the intro it is not an unusual story it is just the beauty of the telling the telling of this thing is that it's completely different than or maybe not completely different, but it is so unique in how it was told because of the perspective of the teller um, and the setting being in Egypt. Um, and even Egypt in the 50s, 50s and 50s 60s time frame, which I think is I don't I haven't seen that much. I've only seen, I've only had the benefit and again it's because I just need to do more research and I need to search harder. But um I've not had the benefit of seeing Egypt in like the 60s, 70s, 50s, 40s, 20s, 30s except through western TV, except through western films and that's a shame because again, who tells a story better than the people who the story is about? Do you know what I mean or at least the subject that the, the the, the setting, right? So, uh, a European company can come in and film something in, in Egypt. An American company can come in and film something in Egypt, and it still won't give you the same, it, it won't give you, you'll still be missing the Egyptian perspective of the, whatever story you're telling, right? So like all those, um, the mummy series with the, that one guy, Jason, doesn't matter. Anyway, um, those were all well and good or all of those stories about Egypt and about um, the Nile Valley and all of that stuff told from the Western perspective is the Western perspective. Like, and even here's the thing, even this film, there's no particular nod to history here. They're literally focusing on the story. I just love the fact that it is set in the sixties and you get this glimpse of what Egypt in the sixties was like from Egyptians. Now, mind you, it, it's, it's a fantasy film, but it's, I think it's still very fascinating um, to look at people who were all shades of brown, speaking Arabic, just being, however, just, just existing. I, I, through the lens of Egyptians, I like that. I like that because you don't often see, not that you don't often see it, it's just, you have to hunt for it, I think, more than I, I have to hunt for it more than I care to to hunt for a thing, right? Or a hunt for a perspective. But nevertheless, I'm getting it. Is this film fantastic? Or is the series fantastic? Not necessarily, but I think it's very fascinating. Anyway, let me get into the synopsis because I've tried been, been trying to read this for like five minutes now. Um, okay, so in the late 60s, Rafat, who is Ahmed, um, hold on, I just read his name. Ahmed, Ahmed Amin, who's also played this, played refat um very well i like his name too refat um he played him real he played him like a straight man but like a straight man and i'm not talking about um uh who he is attracted to i'm talking about in the comedic sense most of the time you have a partner you have a comedic duo the one person is is deadpan, gives it, delivers every line deadpan, and ends up being funny, and is always just like dejected by the antics of the his their partner, which is the funny person, like the overtly funny person, but what we but what you come to know is the straight man is equally and I'm saying man, in the gender nonspecific way, but the straight the straight character is actually super funny. And, well, you have to have the straight character to make it even more funny because so they you laugh at them, at their reaction, like, what? What is happening here? Oh, okay, their the cynicism, their sarcasm. So, anyway, so Refat, um, Amir Amin plays Refat in a straight way as a skeptic. Like, through and through, this guy is a skeptic. But his tra- the way he transforms him into a skeptic that is less of a skeptic and more of someone who just really wants to study the facts and make sure that we've exhausted every option before we, you know, jump off the ledge, jump off the window. The way he played him is so good. I enjoyed it. Now there were times where I was just angry at him for, for his stubbornness to just believe what was right in front of him, baby. Like there's one thing to not be naive and I understand that, you know, and then there's another, there's another thing when you were just, Ooh, you are just bullheaded, baby. and You just, you not seeing the forest from the trees, but on purpose. Anyway, so in the late sixties, <laughs> I'm still trying to read the synopsis, but here we go. So in the late sixties, Refet, a retired Egyptian doctor who considers himself unlucky meets Maggie. Maggie is played by, I'm just going to keep doing this y'all. So it's fine. Maggie is played by Razane Jamal. That's the one that's the, so this is the woman who is uh, Scottish. I said Irish because I don't know better. She's Scottish. Her actress... The actresses are... The character, um, Maggie, is supposed to be Scottish. Uh, anyway. Um, and... Anyway, so... But it, it's possible that she, she's an actress and actors... Actors are liars by profession. So she could have worked on her Irish or her Scottish accent and then, you know, really perfected it in a way that it sounded believable. And then she began to, um, you know, infuse Arabic with it, or it's possible the actress herself is, um, Scottish air Egyptian, Scottish, Egyptian. And, um, she probably grew up in Scotland, but she's Scottish Egyptian. So she has that, those ties there anyway, I don't know. But anyway, her accent makes me feel like she was totally from like it was real anyway. Let me just stop. Oh my gosh, I'm going to stop. Okay, that was the only interruption. I'm going to go back and I'm going to read this one paragraph. I'm going to get through this one paragraph, okay? And then I'm going to start talking and going on a tangent. If you are new to this show, this is what I do. Um I don't have a co-host, so there's no one here to reel me in. Um so I have to reel myself in and sometimes it does not work very well. Anyway, in the late 60s, Refat, a retired Egyptian doctor who considers himself unlucky, meets Maggie, a friend of his youth, while studying in Scotland. Well, that doesn't mean that she is Scottish. Anyway, um, however, the story revolves around a world full of supernatural stories and mysterious events events that Refat himself experienced or are uh, narrated to him. So, um, this. Synopsis is a little misleading, and I don't know why it is. Because that's not quite what happened. So I've already told you, and I thought is a is a skeptic. Like that that's it. That goes without saying he's a skeptic. And he starts out, and it actually starts out real real beautiful. Um it starts out with him telling all the well, actually, it starts out with him them playing hide and seek. Um, him as a child. Or you you get the sense that it's him as a child playing hide and seek with um his siblings or friends or what have you and it's so cute because it's it's just it's cute to hear nursery rhymes or at least games that you you heard as a child in your native language being um, played and sung out in the child the child's native language right so um it's sad I'm messing this up but it's uh ready or not uh, what is it? What is it? Kind of, what it says? Ready or not. The ready or not here I come game, basically. And so, although I can't remember how, I thought it was the, the so the way I remember playing ready or, it, basically it, the the show itself starts out in the very first episode. These children, I said, children, <laughs> these children, um, in the fifties are playing hide and seek or late forties, early fifties are playing hide and seek. And you know, they're making fun of each other for being caught or this one little boy that we uh, assume to be refat is, um, it, it appears to not be very good at it. And so, you know, you, when you play hide and seek, you have your home base. Um, yeah, you have to hit home base. And usually the hiding places, you can't hide super far because you still gotta, you still gotta outrun the person, that, the seeker. You gotta outrun, the, you gotta be far enough away that the seeker can't hear you when you're settled and you have to be close enough that you can run home to just in case you have to book it to outrun the seeker, right? So anyway, it's clear that they're they're playing around this mansion looking thing and that Refat is somehow inside the mansion. He's trying to find some people and it's already kind of opening up scary and blah, blah, blah. Long story short, he doesn't get most of the people, but in the end he gets really scared because he sees this um, ghost, I believe. Anyway, he has that traumatic experience and, and you get the sense that it's a part, it's like a memory that he had. And anyway, so, you know, we pan in and we're introduced to um, to Rafat as an adult, who it appears is just he says he's unlucky. And so you think he is unlucky, but it's weird. The stuff that happens to him, at least to me, doesn't appear to be unlucky. It appears to be baby, you got something with you. You got something around you and you need to really focus on your spiritual life. Um, And again, I just, I want to say for those who don't believe just it's, it's just roll with it. It's cool. But like, for those of you who do believe, I I quite sure. and, and, And when I'm saying believe it could literally be, your, your, your religion, whatever your religious practice is. Right. But that you are, um, spiritual. Anyway. Um, the first thing I was saying is like, baby, you're not a lucky honey. Um, you could call it whatever you want to call it, but like you need to, you need prayer. You need, you need some, you need some hands laid on you. You need prayer. Um, anyway, um, and protection, honey, because what he, his coffee would always spill on him. Literally, his cup would be sitting um, and you could tell that stuff was strong anyway, um, but his cup would be sitting on the saucer and then it would just be tipped over. It will always just tip over. And it could be because of an outside force, like somebody knocking the table and, and it tipping over. Or in many of the cases, what we're introduced to is it literally just tips over with no outside stimuli, with apparently no outside stimuli. And then Rafat is like, oh, I'm just unlucky. He moves through his home, you know he gets and he's walking in the middle of the street and he's not near any trees but somehow or another a, a bird flies over him and drops a bomb on him right or he's um he's walking into his apartment it appears to be an apartment anyway he walks into his apartment and the chandelier falls right in front of him or right behind him do you know what I mean like that's not unlucky baby. That's something else, honey. Like there's always a, uh, some sort of calamity happening. Right. And so as he's walking through, we are this is how we're introduced to him. We're initially introduced to him being the kind of the runt of the litter among his cousins. It appears to be, his like a family or friends. Um, and he's picked on, right. A little bit because he's he's the 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 run of the litter basically he's the he's the, the little squeak, a little pipsqueak looking baby um super cute, but like a tiny baby or a tiny child, not a baby um and well, tiny and a little bit helpless right, and then as an adult, as he's moving through and he's and he's going on this monologue where he's saying he's unlucky and this that, and the third um basically he um you know, he's, he's, he looks like a grumpy bear for all intents and purposes. The way Amin Amin plays Rafat, he, he looks like a 30 something year old grumpy bear, right? So he's even, he walks a little slouchy. His leg, he drags, I think it's his right leg um, a little bit as if he's twisted his ankle. And he breaks character sometimes in that, in that affect um, where he's a little bit hunched over and he's dragging his leg because there are clearly times in without, throughout the series where he straightens up and he's not dragging that leg anymore. And I don't know if that's on purpose or that's just the actor forgetting how he's supposed to be playing refat. But anyway, for all intents and purposes, the way I described him is a good old grumpy bear. Like he's genuinely grumpy, but you would be grumpy too. If your coffee that you were trying to drink every morning spilled before you could finish it. Um, and that calamity was all around you like relationships, right? Like he hesitant to enjoy... You, you would you would kind of get become hesitant to enjoy things be, because you're always waiting for the shoe to drop, which is essentially the sense that we're getting from Rithat. Um that he is always waiting for the other shoe to drop, so why get invested in long-term relationships? Why get excited about things when the shoe is going to drop anyway and then I'm going to be disappointed? Um, which that sort of, if, if you've lived any length of time on this, on this beautiful earth, then you know, that is a type of lifestyle that, that is a, that is a world outlook that has developed over time, countless disappointments, and there's a root to it. And there is certainly a root to it, a thoughts, grumpy, bareness, sourness. Um, and it's actually a scary root it's a scary route and I would not want to look at it either if I was from looking at it from Rafat's perspective. But anyway, he still even with all of that he still managed to become a doctor and you know, had a long career um or a decently long career. He's this actor, this actor is clearly in his 30s, like middle to late 30s, but he's I guess he's supposed to be playing a much older man like in his 50s. 50s approaching 60s um to the point where he could retire, but I, I don't buy it, but like, which is part of the reason why he's hunched and his leg is a little, um, he tries to play it like his leg is, is got arthritis and, or he's, you know, he's, he's got, um, ailments in his legs, but like, he looks like he's in his thirties, even with the gray, but whatever. That's a, that's a small thing. It's just to, to me, he's trying to play an older man, but he just doesn't look it for me. Um, try it as they might anyway. So let me, but. Anyway, so let me just stop here really quickly because I did say that I wanted to go and look at what the critics were talking about. And so, like I said, um, Google hasn't released their rating system just yet, or the, at least the ratings of the folks, who, or the Google users have, who've rated this thing, I guess perhaps not enough of them have gone and done that. But um, IMDb has this thing at 8.7 out of 10, which, all right, like that's not bad. Um, again, I still do not know to this day. I still do not know who the heck the Raiders are on IMDb. Um, but anyway, they said this was cool. Um, and actually that's really all I have. Hold on. Let me just do rotten tomatoes. Hold on. Rotten tomatoes. I actually think it's fresh. The last time, 97% fresh. Yep. It's 97% fresh. That's 316 folks, um, reviewing the thing but there's a 33% rating oh no this is something different um so paranormal season 1 Netflix's special uh, Netflix's show is 97% fresh uh 300 and, okay so let me just do it so it has a 90s 97% um, audience score um and the tomato meter rating is not they not enough critics have um, reviewed this thing cause it literally just came out. So, well, it just, it was just released, but I don't know. It was just released to the public on the 5th, but I don't know how quickly, um, critics get it. Like I always thought that critics got everything, including net Netflix films before it was actually released to the public. So I don't know why. Um, I don't know why, um, more critics haven't rated this on Rotten Tomatoes cause I'm not, I'm not used to they're not being a critic score, but whatever. Um, anyway, so it's a, it's a, so far it's a highly rated show. Folks really like it. I really like this, even though, uh, gets on my nerves, whole, just, just digs, just a stick in my crawl. Um, but nevertheless, I still really, really enjoyed it. So let me do this let me just do like a gloss over of all six episodes and the theme that is running throughout. So episode one, as it should sets the motion for this whole thing. It's if you, a recent example of how, how in part, um, this show is set up is if you look at, um, Lovecraft country in that there's a story that's being told, throughout the entire season, a single story that has deviations. Like you're still telling this one story, but there are there are twists and turns and other detours that you go through, other stories that you hear along the way that make up this one big story, right? In a, in a way. Um, so with this series, we're set up we meet Refat, who is a lifelong skeptic, and there's a, res- there's a reason for his skepticism, um, and there's a reason for his grumpy bareness, right? And we are initially introduced to the grumpy Ness, or the, at the very least, why he, he's intent on being a skeptic. Um, we also understand a little bit more, or we think we understand a little bit more about why all the calamities are happening around him. In the second episode, we're told a different we're told a story that that uh, Refat needs to chase down. In the third one, it's more of the same, except it's like a continuation of the second story, um, and then it goes back to his grumpy bearness and his his inability to connect with something and find joy in something, because again, he's been a grumpy bear and he just genuinely doesn't enjoy life, or he's not enjoying experiences in life. Because the shoe is always going to fall for him. So the fourth episode, he goes home to have a connection with his brother. There is a point where he and his brother were introduced to his brother in the very first episode. Right. But and you don't really think anything of it. Um, because they have an exchange. And again, I will go back and go episode by episode, dig a little bit deeper, but in episode four, there's this point. No, no, not episode four. Um, episode. Yeah, no, it is episode four. It is episode four. Yeah. So, um, episode, yeah. So episode four, um is where he has a kind of family coming to terms. He has a moment with his with his brother about what happened to him when, when he was a child. And it actually comes right back to that game of hide and seek. Um, or a game of hide and seek that led to some fateful uh, situations. Um, and then something happens, um, to his brother as things always do, um, which leads him, which leads him as in refat to really dig deep and kind of renew his mind on, renew his mind on how he's lived his life and what he's going to do from that date forward. Right. Which, so he kind of has an epiphany, but it's the scariest epiphany ever. Um, and then at the end, He's all the way live, right? He, he comes all in the sixth uh, episode. He's come to the conclusion that he is a new person. He's not ready to make all of the wrongs right in his life, but he is ready to look at life in a different perspective. Um, And again, I can, the way that Ahmed Amin played Refat is priceless to me Um, because again, he played him so cool, even though he's supposed to be a younger, he's supposed to be an older man. He didn't really hit the older piece for me. Like, even in the body, the affect, like, I, he really, really tried. And he succeeded in some points. But it that was a little bit off-putting for me because I'm like, dude, you're not. you not as old as you think. Like, they couldn't even add. They didn't even add for prosthetics. And I'm like, this is a Netflix joint. Like, y'all couldn't even give him some prosthetics at least so that we can fake in the face that he was older. But no, of course not. All they did was put some um some some gray streaks gray highlights actually that's exactly what it looks like it looks like gray highlights um in his hair and called it a doggone day anyway but let me just let me just go through and dig like dig in a little bit deeper and set this thing up right starting from episode one Okay, so episode one, it's Rifat's birthday. And again, I already told you how we were introduced to Rifat uh, um, in the, um, the dream, and, or not the dream, but the memory, the piece of the memory. And what I left out was that his, well, I said his brother um, is very, they're close, they're very close. And so um, actually his brother and his sister, um yeah, the brother there is a Refat is close to his brother and sister. Um, and so in episode one it's his birthday, and they're hosting a birthday party for him. Uh Refa. Um Refa is his um his sister, and Reda is his brother. And it's clear that Reda is his older brother, and it's significantly older, maybe like 15, 20 years older brother. Anyway, um, and uh, Refa seems maybe five, six years older, right? So anyway, and it's a decently, it's like a mid-sized family. What they see, it's it's Refa and her husband, um, Reida and his wife. And they're, And um, by the way, backing up just a taste, Re- Refa and her husband have two kids um, or have a kid. Um, and then Reida has kids of his own. Um, and they're older, obviously. And then you have refat who is unmarried. Um, he was married or at least he, yeah, he was married once before, but it didn't work out. Um, and that was part of him explaining in the very beginning, his life of calamities, how, you know, anytime anything good happens, he can't really enjoy it because something, the shoe falls and, um, something bad happens and calamity is always afoot. Calamity is always around the corner front. So anyway, the interesting thing about this one is, so we're introduced to him. We're introduced to the calamities around him. And then we are also interest, uh, instantly introduced to, um, what do I want to say? Where, uh, what is this person's? Oh, Shiraz. Shiraz is an entity that is following Right. And we you see you see Shiraz in the uh, I think the intro the the, the video, uh, what is it? The trailer for the series. You see Shiraz. It's a little girl in a, in a white little dress. And then you come to know that the reason why things are happening, or at least you put one and two together. The, the series doesn't beat you over the head with this, but you put one and two together and you recognize or at least you initially think. And I'm kind of foreshadowing, but anyway, um, that all the calamities that are happening around Refat are due to Shiraz being mischievous. Um, again, she is an entity, a little of a little girl, and we're not hundred percent sure where she comes from, but there we feel like there's a linkage between um Refat's memory as a child playing hide and go seek, um, and this little girl, right? We don't really know, but we get to the middle of the thing and we realize that all these calamities, the, the teak, the coffee cups, knocking over the chandeliers, the maybe not the, the birds, the bird uh, bombing him, but like many of the calamities could be explained by sharaz's presence. But Refat refuses to believe that she exists. Even though it's clear in many cases, He could probably see her out of the periphery, out of his periphery, um, or at the very least, he is willfully ignoring her presence. And so one could argue that some of the things that are happening to him in his home and sometimes at work and when he's around other people, or at least when he's out around a few people or few people, um, you can attribute those to her trying to get his attention, Saraj trying to get his attention. Anyway, so, but he's like, whatever. And, and by the way, I'm de- describing this, Charraz's presence, but she's scary. Her presence is scary. How she how she appears is scary. But this guy's just like, dee, 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 dee. I don't really see nothing. It's like that little dog. What is that comic strip where the, the, the floppy ear dog with the hat sitting at a table in the middle of an engulfed building acting like nothing's wrong? Like, that's a refat. That's a refat. Acting as if... I'm good. Ain't nothing to see here. I'm totally fine. But if anybody were were to see, they'd be flipping out, right? Meanwhile, back at the ranch, he's describing himself to be a skeptic in every way. He doesn't believe in religion, doesn't believe in and the, well, it's not like he it, he doesn't outwardly outwardly say that he doesn't believe in religion, but you get the sense that he is a, he is a skeptic in all senses senses of the of the word whereas his family are not. Also, so he meets Maggie. Which she's supposed to be Scottish, um, like Scottish exchange student. That's that's played by Razan Jamal, and um, she plays Molly McCallip, M- Maggie Maggie <coughs> Excuse me, Maggie McAulip. Here's what you need to know: This actress, I looked it up. This actress is Lebanese British, uh, or B- British Lebanese. I don't really know. Anyway, she's not. She, she, she's just lying with her accent. Um, so because I was like, there's come on, there's gotta be, there's there's a thing here. But anyway, yeah, so she's Lebanese um British. And so so yeah, that's why the, the I but so she's not this is not an entirely Egyptian cast, but it's a East cast, um, predominantly Mid East cast. Anyway, um so Maggie shows up, comes into his life, and he is elated in the way a grumpy a grumpy bear could be related or elated. Um, so he smiles a little bit more. He gets a little bit of a, more of a pep in his, in his step. Um, you know, Blase Blue. Anyway, so they're talking and she automatically shows up and she lets him know, hey, I'm here because I'm divorced and I wanted to see you. So sh- she's like kind of putting on like early, right? And Refatt is like, okay, cool. So he's having this whole conversation in his head about how you know, he likes Maggie and he's so glad she's here and she wants him to, he wants her to stay around. But like outwardly, he's like, okay, well, cool. Like he plays it cool. So anyway, long story short, he is about to go over to his sister Refa's house for, uh, it's like a lunch or dinner, like a dinner sort of affair in honor of Refa's birthday. And, his sister, Refa, distinctly says, come by yourself. Don't bring any, come by yourself. I don't, don't bring no guests because there's a woman that's going to be here. Here's the thing. We come to know that the woman that's there is like something like his third cousin or something like that. Somehow they're related, but not like closely related. Anyway, Refa has is trying to be play matchmaker and um refat knows that right so like he knows there's an obligation here and i might have missed something that's not 100 clear but anyway basically refat runs into maggie and he and he invites her basically she he initially was going to give her a ride home after they had their catch-up session um and then he invites her over for at this point, it's dark, so it's got to be dinner. Um, so he invites um, her to go with him to Refa's house for his birthday dinner. He's the guest of honor, after all. Well, he shows up, and everybody's excited to see him, and then they see Maggie, and they're like, okay, who is the who the F is this? B, you know, anyway. Um, so come to find out, real quick, so the girl that was supposed, the woman that was supposed to be set up with Refat, um, who is played by... Um, it's Hueda, her, her character's name is Hueda, Hueda, um, Hueda Abdel-Munim, but everybody just calls her Hueda. And the actress that plays her is Aya Samaha. Anyway, so Refat is supposed to be going there to be hooked up with, um, Hueda. Turns out, once they're sitting at the dinner table, uh, Refat Maggie. Refa, Reda, and the whole crew, including Hueda, turns out that Refat is engaged to Hueda. He actually has a ring, and what I neglected to tell you is that Refa told him, wear your ring. Wear your ring so she'll know that you're still interested. So it's an arranged marriage, basically, to his third cousin, fourth cousin, something like that. And anyway, and Maggie hears this and is gagged because, again, it's very clear from the beginning. Maggie is coming to see Rafat because she's always been into Rafat. Um, and apparently they go way back to medical school when they were all, you know, they were hanging out, learning together. And Rafat was still he was growing into his grumpy barrenness, but he was still young and he still had a little bit of an ambition. Right. Because he was going to school to be a doctor and he ended up being a doctor, serving as a doctor. So anyway, so. So yeah, so the very first episode, we're introduced to this tension, right? So we're reminded of what Refat could have been, but but then we see what he's grown into. He's grown into a person that has to be set up by his sister with his relative because he can't seem to find happiness in other ways. He won't go after happiness himself. And it's largely because he's been followed by this apparition named Sharaz, Sharaz, who has followed him from his childhood because of a very traumatic event that happened in his childhood. And I think we learn pretty early. Um, actually, no, we we learn in the first episode that the thing that happened, the thing that happened. And really quickly, one thing you need to know is that uh, Reda, um, Rifat's older brother, oldest brother, walks with a cane. And at first, when you're introduced to him, you think, oh, he's just an old man. And that's just what it is. Like old men have old men problems. And he walks with a cane because he's old. Turns out at the end of episode one, we learn that there's a reason why Reda walks with a cane. And it's because when they were a kid, not Rayda, Reda was a teenager, but Refa and Refat and their friends and cousins or whatever, were all playing. Actually, and the, the, the man that uh, Refa ends up marrying, um, whose name I've forgotten um, at this point. But anyway, they were all playing together and hanging out. And they come to this mansion that you see in the previews that they were not supposed to be playing in because it's supposed to be haunted and a lot of foolishness happened there. And anyway, they are playing hide and go seek and just pause real, uh, real quickly. So the way that they play hide and go seek is a little bit different than how I've ever played hide and go seek as a child. As a child, the seeker says um, counts down from 10 when you're playing hide and seek and they go like to a tree the the they go to a tree or they put their head on um, like a, the side of the house or. A, a tree basically. Um, and they close their eyes. They're supposed to be closing their eyes and counting to 10. And while they're counting down from 10 to one, um, you're supposed to go run and hide, right? That's how I'm used to playing hide and go seek. these kids, which kind of makes sense. Um, they, the, the seeker says ready or not. And then the kids say, not yet, not yet. And then he says, ready or not. They keep saying ready or not. And, and when the kids are saying not yet, they're supposed to be scurrying away. So basically the kids keep saying not yet until they can hear the ready, until they can't hear the ready or not anymore. And then the kid that's the seeker who's at saying ready or not, they, they say ready or not until they can't hear the response anymore. Basically both of them, both the seeker and the being, the, those being sought, um, basically do it by ear which means that they have to spread far and wide or at least that's the thought that you spread far and wide, which makes it for a longer, longer game actually, because I don't want you to run down the block to play. I don't want to have to find you down the block. I want to find you in a block radius, you know, or I guess in like a half a block radius, just hide real good. Do you know what I mean? Like Anyway, but this is still, it, it makes for a scarier version of hide-and-go-seek, right? Because once you can't hear anybody, then you're by yourself. And then when you're by yourself, things happen. Anyway, um, so yeah, so anyway, so we get the image that they were playing hide-and-go-seek. And I told you, Rifat was terrible. He was terrible at it. He was always, he was always being caught if he was the sought. And if he was the seeker, they would, everybody else would always find their way to home, home base. So anyway, they decided that they were playing, um, they were gonna play hide and go seek. And again, it's about distance the way they're playing it. So they end up in this pasture that connects them to this big old um, mansion that kind of looks scary. And Rafat is not the seeker. He's trying, well, is he the seeker? I think Rafat is the seeker. And he's trying to find folks. And then in him trying to find people, he, or maybe he's the sod. I can't remember. Anyway, but in the middle of the game, he is gets close to this, decently close anyway, to this um, mansion, and he sees this little girl in white smiling at him, and long story short, the rest of the kids come up to him, and they find Rifat, um, and definitely Reda, Reyda, Rayda's husband, and some other friends come around, and again, Reda. Um, is nowhere to be found because Reda is not an adolescent; he's a teen, anyway. And so, you know, he's you get the sense that he's got like teen responsibilities, anyway. So they go to the mansion, and this is still all in the first episode. And then I'm just going to power through because I can tell I'm about to talk for a long time. Anyway, um, so Refat meets this little girl. We learn that her name is Sharaz, um, and all the uh, Re. Refa and um Refat and their whole crew go and play with Shiraz. Now everybody else uh, I guess what I want to say is Refat is enamored with uh, Shiraz because Shiraz is super nice to her, to him. Super nice, and they get along and she seems super sweet, and they're playing in this big old mansion. And um Yeah, they're playing. They're playing a couple of times. Yeah, yeah. yeah. actually, that's exactly what happened. So they get to play in in the mansion. All, uh, you know, Reda. uh, No, not Reda, but um, Refa um, and Refa and all their friends are playing with her. And at the end of the play session, um, Shiraz is like, can you guys come back? Can you can you keep coming back and we can play next time? And so they leave and it's like, "Okay, well, it's a little bit creepy. But well, whatever. Everybody else is saying that, but not um Refat. Refat is like, oh yeah, we're definitely coming back. And so, because you get the sense that he's enamored with her to the point where, you know, he's got puppy love for her. Anyway, uh, talking about Shiraz. Anyway, um, so long story short, it, you get the sense that the kids go back a couple of times, but on this last time, they're like, nah, man, this is too creepy. People talk about this house. We shouldn't be here so the kid the rest of the kids including refa don't come back and so but refat feels an obligation to come back and hang with her hang out with sharaz and sharaz makes him promise you know she's initially she's crying when when she's when she doesn't see the rest of the kids she's crying and then refat is like oh but we you and I can play and then she perks up she wipes her tears and she's like can we play forever and he's like yeah sure and so then she leads him through the house again. And the house is changing at this point. So we were initially introduced to this house as a big sprawling mansion, but nevertheless a mansion that was in good repair and that, you know, full of servants and full of people um, in the home, including the the tenants um, or the, the homeowners. And that Shiraz was, you know, a child, but like she was the only child. You get the sense that she was the only child in the house, and full of adults, including adult servants. And anyway, but that she was supposed to be super quiet. Everybody needed to be super quiet. So she's in her in her zeal to have Refat prove that she's gonna he's gonna be her friend forever. She starts walking through the house, and he's following her, and he's seeing different things, seeing people. You know, she said, Shh, you know, you gotta be quiet when you walk through here. Um, because they don't like noise. And so he's seeing different people sitting in sitting chairs and rooms and things like that. And so long story short, she walks him essentially to the roof. And again, what I told you, um, the house is changing. It's not looking like it's in good repair. It's looking like it's a disrepair at this point. And Refa and the crew go get Reda, the old, the elder brother, because, They had been chastised. Rayda had chastised them to not keep going back to that house and playing because it's... That's not a place where you want to play. Um, And then anyway, they go get... They go get Rayda because they're like, we got to go get Refat because he's back at that house. And, you know, we got to go get him. And so Rayda goes back with Refat and the crew um, to go get Refat. Meanwhile, back at the ranch, I'm just speeding up a little bit. So... Um, Sharaz leads Refat to the um, the the roof, basically. And Reida, um, not Reida, um, Sharaz is on one, uh, one part of the house that there are, there, it's like a split roof sort of thing. So there's an opening between one side of the roof and another. And she's like, okay, so Refat, in order for us to play together, you have to test your your you know, you have to test your friendship with me. Jump to me, and I'll catch you. Now, what we know is that the distance between where Shiraz is and where Refat is is too far for this. For tiny Refat to jump, he's going to jump to his death, basically. Because at this point, it looks to be there at least three stories up, which might not be enough. That would at least be enough for you to break something that that will be take a long time to heal, right? Maybe they're even four to four stories up because that mansion looks tall. Anyway, like several floors. But let's just, for uh, assuming purposes, they're three stories up. Anyway, but it's too much for him to jump. So he's going to severely hurt himself or at worst, he's going to die. And so instantly you put two and two together. This house no longer looks like this this cool, up-to-date house that they were playing in before. This house is a dilapidated mansion. Shiraz is a ghost. Shiraz is a ghost and she's trying to help help him... She's trying to get Refat to jump to his death so that in his death they could play together and so he could be a ghost, too. So anyway, so he is about to do it because, again, he's he's got a child's brain. So he doesn't think he thinks he can actually jump to her. He's a little scared, but he actually thinks he can jump to her. And again, Saraz is trying to she's saying that she's going to catch him. Mind you, two little people talking about they're going to catch each other like children talking about they got, got the strength to catch each other. They don't. And we know what's happening because we're looking with our adult eyes and we see what's about to happen. So, anyway, so Refat is about to jump. And as he's about to jump, Reda and Refa and the rest of the crew are coming. And is like, What is this? Boy, if you don't get off this roof. Meanwhile, from Reda's perspective, he only sees Refat, he does not see Sharaz. Just further letting you know that Sharaz is a ghost. Um, the children see Sharaz. Refat, uh, 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 Reda does not see Sharaz. I, I don't believe. Anyway, but um, so, but again, Refat does. And so he's like, Reda is chastising him. Boy, if you don't get off this roof, go the other way and walk and, and get down. Don't jump, get down. But Refat is still being called by Sharaz. So what does he do? He does what you expect him to do. Refat jumps, but Reda runs and especially, essentially catches his fall, but in catching Refat's fall, it's clear that Reda is is broken something is broken on Reda or severely bruised and, and hurt and injured on Reda. Meanwhile, Sharaz disappears right? And then we see the dilapidated house and then the the memory cuts. So what we know is Sharaz was a ghost the entire time. Sharaz was creating this environment to have friends to play with. And then Sharaz honed in on Refat because Refat was the only one that continued to genuinely show her affection. And she really wanted to keep him around. And so, bam. And so now we get the sense that the episode ends... We know, again, we know the root of why. So a couple of things, we're getting to know the root. The root, uh, so clearly he had a friend that wasn't actually a friend, that wasn't living, he was a a ghost, and that in the process, he hurt his brother. But that memory was so traumatic that the adult Rethat pushed that memory out of his head. And then let's flash forward back to the scene where they're at the, the, the dinner table the, uh, for Refat's birthday. And they're talking. And Refat asked at the dinner table with, Red, uh, with um, Refa and Reida present and their spouses and their kids and Maggie. Remember, Maggie's still at dinner um, for his birthday. Maggie and Hueda. Hueda is just trying to impress Refat. And and Refa is just like, man, it's whatever. He's trying not to be mean to her, but it's clear. He doesn't really want to go through with this marriage, but he's just kind of going through it because Refa is insistent. She's insistent that he do this and, and get on with it. Anyway, so we get this flashback and then they're talking and they're loosening up because, again, remember, they did not want Maggie around the table, but she's here now and they're all eating and talking. And anyway... And there's an awkward mom- moment between Hueda and uh, Refat. And anyway, so um, so all of a sudden well, not all of a sudden, but in conversation, Refat begins to talk, and they're, and they're talking about memories and things like that. And Refat asks, "So what happened when we were kids at that mansion?" And Raya instantly says, "We won't speak of this anymore." So we know a couple of things. We know that Refat pushed the memory out of his head because he wanted to. We also know Reda is like playing the father figure and doesn't even want to revisit the past anymore. And I think it actually came up because they talked about his limp, perhaps. No, no, no. I don't even remember how it came up. But the point is, it came up in conversation and Reda instantly tried to shut that, shut it down. Um, because he just he didn't want to go there. He didn't think any good would come from it. And it's it's at this point that you get the sense, oh shoot, so there is, there's more there. Number one, this is a piece of the story, this is not the whole story. Number two, there's more here that needs to be explored, but because Reda, who is clearly the eldest brother, he's the eldest brother and he's also clearly the father figure for Refa and Refat, what he says goes, and he doesn't think there's anything good that can come from this, but you do get the sense that Probably the key to unlocking, unlocking refat and allowing him to be more open and free probably stems from what happened at that mansion when he was a child. But he needs the opportunity to open up um, and be able to explore that memory. But anyway, so we cut, we don't get to, we don't get to that scene. We don't, we don't get to that. But here's the deal. What I told you is still true. Sharaz is following, haunting um, Refat, and not only is she uh, haunting Refat, but she can also be seen by Refat's young son. That he can see the same. He can see. Uh, he can see um, too, and what we learn throughout the course of the series is that uh, Shiraz is haunting him. And we don't know why, because again, he was not exposed to Shiraz at all. So we understand why Shiraz is following him. And in fact, I'm just going to go out there. Shiraz even uh, shows herself to Cueda. And we're like, and I'm like, well, why is she being seen by um, Refa's boy, Refa's little boy which by the way I guess makes more sense than Hueda, because Refa's little boy is about the same age as Refa was when he first met Sharaz so so that makes more sense than um, Hueda being able to see her because Hueda's grown Hueda's not supposed to, so again I told you that um, I Amin is playing Refa as if he's in his 50s right and that so if he's in his 50s then Reda is supposed to be in his like 60s, close to 70. And Refa is in her like her middle 50s too. Um, late 50s as well. Or maybe he's in, yeah, 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 because he's retirement age. Anyway, so Jueda is supposed to be, he's, Jueda is supposed to be like um, in her 20s, early 30s, right? And then I guess Maggie is supposed to be close to 50 herself, which Maggie doesn't even look like that. They don't even have age lines on Maggie like that. So it's really weird. Anyway, um, maybe he's supposed to be in his 40s. But anyway, Maggie still doesn't look like she's in her 40s. Um, And actually, Huayda, the actress that plays Huayda, kind of looks like Maggie's age, but moving on. Um, She's supposed to be a much younger woman. Anyway, so you get the sense that there's this whole big old triangle that... Obviously, that Maggie wants to be with Refat, but Refat wants to be with Maggie too, but he does not know how to. He's not open. He's he's confined. He's constricted. And Jueda really wants to be with Refat because I don't even know if there's genuine love there. I just think that she just wants to be, she wants to be in a relationship, and, and she's been told by Refa that your best relationship is gonna be with Refat. And so she's just kind of there. And then you've got Reda, who is the protector of the family. And he just wants, he wants Refat to, to marry Hueda. He wants Maggie to go away. He wants Refat to not think about the past and look toward the future, because it's clear that he's done a lot of sacrificing to make sure that Refat had what he needed, right? So we'll explore, we the series explores that later, but I'm, I'm just a talking. And I guess it's good that I laid the foundation or at least as much of a foundation as I can or as I could for this first for this episode for the season because so from here Hueda which is the fiancé of Refat a reluctant uh, Refat is reluctant, reluctantly engaged to Hueda Refa Refat's sister Reida Refat's older brother and then Maggie who is his flame I guess you can call her her flame, his, call her his flame. Anyway, they're all kind of a fixture. They are a fixture in this thing because the very next episode and their dynamic and, you know, the blockage that Refad is experiencing is all part of this whole thing. And again, he's still a skeptic, even when it doesn't even make sense that he is. So long story short, so episode two, three, four, five, and six are all kind of built on this foundation of leading Refats to his own self-discovery. And so, episode two, Hueda is, um, Hueda is overcome with this illness, this, this illness that is actually happening across the uh, Egypt, basically, it's impacting people across Egypt, certainly in Cairo, which is where they are, and I meant to tell you this, the city where they're spending most of their time is in Cairo. Um, where Refaren and, and his sister live is Cairo. Reda lives out in the country, but they live in Cairo. And so that's, and Maggie has come to Cairo to hang out. So anyway, so there is an illness that's sweeping Cairo and Reda, uh, uh, Hueda gets the illness. Now, the thing about it is there's a mummy piece involved and I won't get into that. You should probably just watch it. It's interesting, the story of the mummy, but the main through line here is that in this episode, Refat, who has not shown most much emotion up until this point, except for disdain and just like, man, can you just, and grumpiness. Um, at the end of this episode, when Hueda gets taken over by this illness that is related to a mummy, and it's not as corny as you think it is, um, or at least this mummy's ghost. Um, and he's actually vengeful and vindictive. Um, when she falls ill and it looks like she's about to die, that's when Refat is just like, oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. He, he just like sleeps outside of her door in a chair and Reida being his big brother, father figure supports him. And, and, and they have a tender moment because he recognizes that Refat is like beside himself about this girl, but specifically beside himself because he's perhaps, and in, in, in Reda's mind, that he's coming to some conclusions. Um, and he's waking up, he's waking up, you know, to the reality that he does need to experience joy in life now, um, regardless of what happened in the past. And so, anyway, so Refat at, at uh, Juarez, essentially looking to be deathbed, because they've got her all looking nasty with these veins, like veins blackened during her face and things like that. So you get the sense that whatever she's got is eating her up and she's slowly dying, like poisoning, poisoning her and she's slowly dying. And so anyway, so Refat makes a death, essentially what looks to be a hueda's deathbed um, confession that he loves her and he's going to marry her. Um, and so like he's going to do whatever to get her safe. And so... We end the episode with him having this passion that I've got, I'm going to do something about it. I'm going to do something about this. I'm going to bring her back to life. Um, I'm going to heal. And that's all to that. So episode two ends with this this fire and this passion and um, episode three opens and um, Refat is on a mission. And then he gets Maggie into it, into his mission and Maggie, at this point, she's trying to let him go, but it's clear that she still has a torch. She still carries a torch for Rifat. And so, um, so Maggie goes on this adventure with him. They actually end up, Maggie and Rifat end up meeting with their college buddy, whose name I've forgotten And I guess it really doesn't matter, except, oh, his name is Louis, Louis C. Fur. Yeah, yeah Louis C. Fur. Um, Lewis Cipher, Lewis—it's uh, Lewis Cipher—is his name. That's their college buddy. And anyway, so, so yeah, so they um, meet, link up together because Lewis has—he's discovered this treatment in the uh, from this flower that can heal just about any cure, just about any ailments, especially when a person is is close to death. And the problem is the only place that you can find this—it's. It, derived from a flower. And the only place you could find this flower is in the Taurig country, of uh, the Taurig uh, area, I guess. Taurig is not a place so much as it's in the desert and the Taurig people who are nomads, kind of, that's their territory. And so you can only find these flowers in caves in the Taurig area. And so you need to get your blessing from the Taurig people in order to, or d- d- a particular Taurig tribe who oversees the area where you're trying to go to get the fly flyer flower to be able to make the concoction that will ultimately heal people anyway. And, and so Lewis believes, but Lewis and, um, believe that this treatment will be able to cure every, whatever everybody is being, uh, being caught up with anyway, or coming down with anyway. So Louis, Maggie, and Refat go on this adventure into the desert. Louis is still being propelled by his desire to heal Hueda. Um, And we really don't see much of um, Reda and Refa anymore in this episode. Not really. Um, Just on the periphery, we mostly just see... And even Hueda, we only see her for a little bit when she's sick in the beginning and then at the end of that particular episode. But we mostly spend a lot of time with Maggie... Uh, Rifat and Louis. Anyway, um, so they go into the desert, they're having this experience. And I think the weirdest thing for me, so long story short, they meet up with this, uh, there's a big bad, there's a big bad in this particular episode, but it's weird why it exists. And the only thing is because I just don't think it's natural, which is funny because this is a supernatural fictitious story but this seemed a little too beyond the pale for me, but I'll get there. So anyway, long story short, they meet up with the Tuareg tribe, and the Tuareg tribe is like, uh, in the, they're meeting with them in the middle of the desert in the middle of the night, and the Tuareg tribe is like, nah, we're not gonna take you nowhere. So you should just go back to where you came from. And then the three of them, the three amigos, Louis, uh, Refaten, um Maggie are just like, okay, well, we're gonna figure something out. And while they're asleep, or at least while they're trying to sleep, one of the tribesmen comes back and says, look, I'm gonna let you go, but you're gonna have to pay me. And I'm gonna go see the keeper of this particular cave. And we gotta ask if you'll allow us to be let in. Well, long story short, they go on this adventure and quicksand is involved. And you guessed it, they get into the cave, but this initial piece, they don't actually get out of it with what they came for. And in fact, the big bad in this whole thing are big gorillas in the middle of the desert. Which gorillas can't thrive in the desert. Which I guess they're saying that this was—I don't even know how they got there, except that the Turk people believed that they were. Um, the Turk people believed that they were some sort of keepers, not necessarily monsters, but definitely keepers of that cave. And I'm sitting up here thinking the whole time, yeah, I could—I could appreciate how a person would think. I could appreciate how a person would think that they were that these things were somehow big beasts and monsters because you've never seen in this time frame, you've probably never seen a gorilla before but my thing is like why the heck are there gorillas in a cave in the middle of the desert in Egypt like they don't even that don't make sense to me like they're in the wrong ain't no jungle here like ain't no jungle like what are you talking about gorillas are in the jungle. Like, don't you need to go to the Congo for a gorilla? But anyway, who knows? I don't know what they were nodding to there. But anyway, the big bad in this thing were the gorillas. And anyway, long story short, um, Refat doesn't leave with what he came there for. Not initially. But um, long story short, he ends up being playing a hero and going back to the cave and absolutely getting what he needed to get. And um, he ends up healing... He ends up helping Refa, I mean, uh, Hueda heal by giving, by grounding up this flower and getting the powder and all of that stuff and then injecting it into her system. But then at the, he's gone through all of this, like he has soldiered through, shown more emotion than we've seen ever in this episode. And at the end of this episode, he's like, yeah, but we not finna get married. So he gives her back the ring. He gives her back his engagement ring. And, of course, she wakes up, and she's healed, and he's dev- and she's devastated. And then, you know, we go to episode four with him still seeing Shiraz. Now he's acknowledging that he sees Shiraz, um, but he doesn't know why he's seeing Shiraz. Meanwhile, in this episode, um, the issue now is that... Wait, hold on, let me... Let me try to get this right. And I'm... Oh, I'm going to have to speed this. I'm going to have to speed through this. I'm not going to get the episodes right. But the last couple of episodes lend... They basically are all... Again, all of these episodes are leading to... um, uh, Refat's awakening. So no, I am going to get this right. So the next episode, there is... We learn that there is this... What do they call ghosts? Shucks. What's the name for... Oh, I used to, dang it. They say this phrase in, they say this phrase for ghost in Arabic that I've heard before. And I think I heard it, oh gosh, Re, oh, refem, no, shucks, I forgot the name of it. But anyway, so they're thinking that there's this ghost. There's this, what some cultures would believe would be a, um, not a siren, but like a, This female apparition that is leading men to their death and only men can hear it. And only certain men who have been called when their name is called, they're hooked and they go to her and they end up going to drown in the water to their death in this particular area and come to find out. So men are beginning to hear her call. And one of the men that ends up hearing her call is Reda. Reda is in his village. Again, they're not in Cairo they're outside of Cairo in the country and Rayda hears the call. And so what goes to the country to be with his peep, to be with his uh, family. And Hueda does too, because Hueda again, Hueda's family, but it's not as close as Refat is family. Anyway, so, but Rayda, Hueda, Going, going to the little village is more about just supporting extended family members, whereas Refat is going to go support his brother and his brother's wife. So anyway, Maggie, of course, tags along because, again, she cannot shake Refat loose. And at, least, at first I was a little bit annoyed with Maggie's presence, but now I appreciate it because she had gotten out of a divorce because she married a man that she didn't really want to be married to, probably for the same reason that Refat had set up Refat to be in a marriage, in that time frame, you, if you were single and you were a certain age, you were seemed to be kind of damaged goods, right? Like you needed to be with somebody. So anyway, so they go through this episode and of course, episode five does not end the way you would want it to. Um, but there is a tender moment between Reda and Rapat. Um, there's some understanding that comes because it's clear Reda, a little, Raida really really loves Refat. Refat loves Raida. But Refat always thought that Raida was the the favorite son, but in actuality, Refat looks at it as everything I've done was to protect you. Everything I've done was to make sure that you were successful, that you could succeed, you could have a life. And you don't see that, you still don't get. Everything I've done, I I severely injured myself saving you. I've, took beatings, I've taken beatings for you. I was working in the fields so that you could go to school. I love you, Reithat. And they have this very tender moment. And then, of course, you know, there's this moment where, where there's another point where Reithat has to rescue Reithat. And he does, but it comes at a big cost. Episode 5 opens, and Reithat is back in Cairo. And he is determined to get down to the bottom Of, Or at the very least, he begins to have these dreams where they're real. So whatever happens to him in these dreams become real. Um, And he is like driven into madness a little bit. So like every time he goes to sleep, like if he's touched, if he's kicked or whatever, he wakes up with a bruise where he was kicked. And so it's getting really real for him now. So like he is becoming a madman just you know taking he's and and he's becoming less of a skeptic now he's finally toward the end of this he's less of a skeptic but nevertheless he's still skeptical about a lot of things but he's beginning to believe that maybe these hauntings are related to Shiraz and I need to get down to the bottom to this so we spend all of episode five essentially just him freaking out basically and descending into madness a little bit because he's sleep deprived and he's being tormented when he does go to sleep so anyway, and meanwhile, back at the ranch, Hueda initially wants to let him go, but Hueda's like, okay, well, let me get back into this picture. Let me, cause I, I he did all this fighting for me. I'm gonna fight for him. Because it did. he did, Refat, Refat fought for her tooth and nail for two whole episodes and, and really began to awaken and come into himself. And so Hueda has been told what he did for her and so she's like, well, let me fight for Refat." So she begins to fight for him and then his family, his whole family begins to fight for him too. Even Refa, who's been very hard and stern toward him, like she's even fighting for him. And the whole family is fighting to save Refat from himself. Meanwhile, Refat is getting closer and closer to the truth, to the root. He's, he's opening up and he's digging deeper to try to understand what the heck is happening. Why is Shiraz? in my face. Why is she, why won't she let me be like, I'm, he's again, he's fully acknowledging that he sees her apparition now when she appears, um, to him, but he doesn't know why. And he's still, he keeps getting pulled back to that house. And in fact, every time he's in these dreams, he's the, he's in the mansion, that mansion that they were, we were introduced to in the very first episode. And so we go up and down and it's clear that he's almost, he's close to being killed, right? But in fact, at the end of the episode, what ends up happening is that his family gets involved, and again, just like when Shiraz begins to show herself to Refas' um, little boy and Hueda, it's just what happens to what happens to um, Refat if family or anybody that he cares about is in close proximity, it's going to happen to them too, or they're going to be sucked in as well, unknowingly. And so an incident happens, again, I told you, his dreams are becoming real. So what happens to you in, the, in his dream, what happens to him in his dream happens in real life. So something happens to Refat's husband in real life um, and it's devastating, right? And so we end the episode and we still, episode five, and we still don't know. Refat is still not at the bottom of what, of the, the issue, but he's determined to get it even more. So now that the thing happened to Refa's, Refa's husband. So episode six, we go back to where we came from, right? Episode six, Refat is in that mansion. He finds himself back in that mansion and through some weird circumstances, he ends up being the owner of the mansion that has been in disrepair forever. It's been neglected forever. And then we learn the story of Shiraz. We understand her story and actually it's a tragic story that you just have to watch to understand. But we get to the bottom of why Shiraz has been following um, Refat. And actually we come to learn a very specific truth from Shiraz herself when she talks to Refat when he could hear her. But she, it's like Raifat couldn't understand why Shiraz was attached to him. Until he could open himself up to, number one, acknowledge her. Number two, to like be open to discovery about himself, about people around him, and, and, and all of that, his own emotions. And then three, he needed, to, he needed to be completely open to hear her. Because actually, the big bad in this whole thing isn't her. Even though she presented herself scary, she said she had to do that to get his attention. There's actually a big bad in this story that has been kind of a sleeper this whole entire time. And it's somebody that, that that I thought knows and actually has known for a long time. Actually, he and Maggie know this person. I won't tell you who it is because you really need to watch it yourself. And I don't want to ruin it because it's clear by the time I'm recording this um, and by the time actually this show comes out, it won't even been out it won't even have been out a week so y'all should watch it to understand what i'm talking about i have not done the greatest job of giving a synopsis of it but i think i did a decent job in, in turn in telling you what this whole series is about the through line is rifat needing to open up and until he does all of these series of calamities happen until he's able to be open with himself and so what i know is at the end of this season there's definitely going to be a season 2 And I'm actually really here for it. I'm excited to see season two of this thing because I think it's going to, we're going to, it's going to take us on a journey with a fully open refat who is open to the paranormal, who's open to the unexplained, who's open to still debunking the unexplained because sometimes people, sometimes there's some nefarious things beneath these myths and legends, they're just terrible people behind them trying to cover up terrible deeds. And so we know a little, we learn a little bit, we see a little bit of that in the, um, show, but we will really get to see it more probably in episode two. So, or a season two. So if you get an opportunity, take the time, please watch this thing. It's really fun. It's really interesting. Um, it's, it's comes across very scary. It's scary to me because again, some of the scariest things to me, Are the And I think to a lot of people, scary stories that are rooted in something that people all agree to be true or a segment of people agree to be true and then exploiting that for the scariest parts of itself. And again, there's nothing scarier than horror stories, true horror stories that involve kids, because that's our biggest fear, right? Kids are protected. And our biggest nightmare is that somehow or another this protected people, this protected class of people turn into monsters, right? super, super scary for me. Scary for a lot of people too. So anyway, definitely watch this. It's worth it. I've never seen Paranormal Activity or any of those things. I don't, I can't compare them. I'm just saying that this story is probably not super unique, but the the way the telling of it is, is unique in my opinion. And the circumstances are great. And I just, I'm just enjoying this thing. So anyway, I hope you get a chance to watch it and you enjoy it too. It's, it's, it's pretty, um, quick. Like you can binge this. It's only six episodes. So, and 55 minutes at most so you can binge this in a weekend and get it done. Um probably do it over Thanksgiving if you want. But anyway. Well that's that's that I won't give any more away. I have given over. I've given up a lot already. Um but anyway, definitely watch that and leave me a message um in the show notes if you found it interesting or, or you know what I'm talking about, the Arabic word for ghost. The Arabic word for ghost, I've forgotten it, but um ref- it's not rafaam. That's a, that's not Arabic. Refines uh, in the Bible. Um, shoot, I forgot it. But I, anyway, it's just interesting that every culture has, the whole point of me bringing it up is that it's interesting that every culture has a word for ghost, apparitions and things like that, because it is something that is experienced by everybody uh, in one way or another. Anyway, um, I would be remiss if I didn't say, or mentioned that today, the day of this recording, is the 98th anniversary of Sigma Gamma Rho Sorority Incorporated's founding, which is my beloved sorority. And I am celebrating this thing all day. Um, We've actually been celebrating it all week, um, or at least uh, from November 1st through the 12th. So if you know a member of Sigma Gamma Rho Sorority Incorporated, tell them Happy Founders Day today. That's what you say. Happy Founders Day. Um, And yeah, also just still preparing for Thanksgiving and all of that stuff and, and getting my reading list together. My, like I told you, my, our, my parents are coming to see me and the hubby and we're going to see some family members distantly, responsibly and distantly, um, as we can. And they're only going to be here for a short while and I feel a way about it, but whatever, we'll see them again. and, And at Christmas, but, um, anyway, um, yeah, I'm just, I'm super excited. Um, what I, what I wanted to say about, um, the reason why i brought up thanksgiving other than the fact that it's coming up is that there's this reading list and i'll put a sh- i'll put it in the show notes um there's this reading list that is audio audiobooks by black authors and i believe audiobooks by black authors that are narrated by black narrators um and so the list will be in the show notes so definitely check that out if you're looking for something to listen to while you're traveling or while you're off during the holiday um because i I, you know, just trying to spread the love and, and, um, give, give, spread the love and give folks, um, some shine in the process. So take a look at that list. I think it was done by book list. Um, yeah. And hopefully you can find something that you enjoy. Thanks so much for listening. I really, really, really appreciate y'all for liking and subscribing and, and rating this thing and leaving me comments. Um, if you do leave me a comment, the favorable ones, I will definitely read if you're being a jerk. I don't really care. I won't read it. Um, but thank you so much for supporting the show. Thank you for sharing episodes that people find interesting. Um, I'm seeing that folks are sharing the twisted melodies episode because maybe that impacts some folks. Um, if you don't know, twisted melodies is a one man play that travels around the country. And it always, it it used to always come here in Baltimore, but it's about, um, a musician. Ooh, whose name I have forgotten. But Google Twisted Melody, I cannot, his his name is drawing a blank, hold on, let me, because see, now I can't, I can't, hold on, hold on, Twisted, Twisted Melo, wait, Melodies, yes, yes, Twisted Melodies, okay, 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 um, was he playing, no, 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 he only played, yeah, it's about, um, so Kelvin Kelvin Roston Jr. is the guy that plays this man, but why aren't you saying who the man is? Donnie Hathaway. Donnie Hathaway. So some of you are listening to my Twisted Episode Twisted Melodies episode where I talk about the play. I had done that a couple of years ago after I had watched the play because I, I worked for a mental health organization and that was part of our fundraiser. Our fundraiser was you going to see that play and, and purchasing tickets and parts of the proceeds would go to um us because that's what the uh, that's what the actor uh kelvin roston wanted and so we were honoring that and so just continue to support him if if you can find his link online and watch that and then donate to him you really should because he's doing great work and plus the play is awesome it's amazing because he sings and boy he can sang Anyway, definitely check that out. Um, So thank you guys for listening to that. Thank you for liking and sharing and listening to other episodes that are impactful to you. Um, And yeah, so be kind to yourself. Take it easy. Do what you need to do. Do your eight and skate. Um, If you're an emergency uh, service worker, thank you. If you're a veteran, thank you too for your service. Um, Just be kind to yourself. Be nice to other people. Um, And until next time.